for the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. All right, welcome to Set the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick today. Going to get back to a professional sport, Drew. Uh, <laughs> talk the NFL uh, so we have a little bit of uh, fun to take a breath from uh, March Madness. Going to welcome in uh, Brad Spielberg of PFF. We'll talk about uh, free agency. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, some of the ripple effects in the market. And then we'll close out by talking NBA. But Drew, how are you? How, uh, how was this yesterday from a betting perspective? Uh, I think everything went fine yesterday, except uh, kind of equity positions that I have in a couple of important markets that I am very, 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 very nervous about, i.e. Coach of the Year and Mike Brown, who put together one of the least impressive first half in coaching that I've seen of anyone all year. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still very nervous that that goes down. I, I went back and actually did the accounting because I knew I had some big positions on that preseason. And I was like, he's like the minus 1200. This is starting to get like real. Uh, and yeah, I'm holding 80 to one, 60 to one, 50 to one on him. And I am very, very, very nervous that he's going to find his way out of the conversation in the same way that uh, happened with the Eagles and uh, Nick Sirianni, where, uh, you know, if you're you're not finishing the season strong, then you're giving the voters an opportunity to pick someone else, even though this would snap the longest streak in professional sports of a team not making the playoffs, the Kings this year, who are already effectively in. So um, that was uh, that was. You know, that was my night last night was hoping somehow, some way they could come back and close against the Jazz, which they could not. Um, and uh, and so then I woke up this morning, been grinding some mocks, been putting some WTA futures in. Best bet on the board, your girl, Ludmilla Samsonova. 80 oh, to wow. 1 to win Miami. 80 to 1? Yeah. She's yeah. unplayable when she's on. Yeah. And uh, she's in a quarter with Coco Goff and Jess Pagula, who I don't know if you noticed, haven't been playing especially well. Uh, so no reason she can't come out of Q2. Ego, of course, is always live to withdraw with the uh, rib injury that she sustained at Indian Wells. So um, let's go Ludmilla. Ludmilla. Yeah, she's broken my heart many a time, but I'm um, <laughs> happy to go back to the well and get it broken once more at 80 to 1. Uh, on Mike Brown, you're fine. It's okay. I would not be worried about Mike Brown. Here's the thing. I have a general rule. Uh, basically, when you have multiple voters for the award who are doing podcasts saying, will Mike Brown win unanimously with 10 minutes left in the season, you're probably okay. <laughs> I think you just need to protect against like Mark Dagenau ending the season on yeah. a 12-game winning streak. Outside of that, I think Mike Brown will be okay. Even if they slide to the sixth seed, 
which they're not going to. But even if they do, I would still make him a heavy favorite. So okay, gonna be okay. All right, let's welcome in Brad Spielberger of PFF. I know you want to do 20 minutes on uh, Patrick Beverly and your resurgent Chicago Bulls, but uh, you're here to talk football, unfortunately. Uh, so let's start <laughs> off with Aaron Rodgers, um, who will be landing with the Jets. Uh, I guess the big question is just how much does this alter uh, the landscape for the Jets in terms of do you think this vaults them into the same tier as the Bills, Chiefs, Bengals? Are they the fourth best team in the AFC? Where do you think this places them? Yeah, I really think it does. Uh, you know, I think they had below replacement level play at quarterback last year. It's not like he's replacing, you know, some solid average journeyman type guy. He's replacing guys that are fringe NFL players. Uh, for Zach Wilson's case, you know, maybe not not an NFL player, at least as of right now. So, you know, great young defense, good core on offense of young players. Also, if they can get healthy on the offensive line, should be better up front than they were last year. Obviously, you get a Brees Hall back healthy. I think they are in that conversation. Top three or four teams in the AFC, obviously a gauntlet of an AFC East now with Miami loading up, with the Bills getting better. The Patriots always going to be the Patriots, but I do. I think they become a Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers. I think that's fair. Um, they had 32nd best quarterback play in the NFL last year, and now if their floor is 12, and they have otherwise one of the most, if not the most talented roster in the NFL, I think that's a fair question. Uh, outside of Aaron Rodgers, is the, you know, you know, Two through fifty-two, two through fifty-three. Considering some of the, you know, the attrition to Philadelphia and, uh, you know, some of the other, you know, key key, uh, you know, b- roster shakeups that we've seen through free agency, or are the Jets number one? It's a fair argument. It's a good question. I mean, also because like a guy like Jermaine Johnson, their first round pick last year, their third first round pick, but, you know, did not play much, was more of a rotational guy. But if he gets better and takes that step, like Sauce Gardner become, could become even better, which is kind of a scary thought. You still had the 13th overall pick this year. Yeah, if Mekhi Becton gets back healthy, I know he's posting pictures of him look at, looking slim. Like, they could be in that conversation for remove quarterback. Obviously, with Rodgers, you, you have the quarterback, but I think they are in, in that conversation. Uh, are we sure the Jets are better than the Dolphins? Um, because maybe we can talk about it later. Other teams sort of improve, but I think everyone now is anointed the Jets. Uh, and my concern would be two things. One, Rogers was not the same guy last year. I know he's dealing with injuries and everything, but he wasn't, you know, a top five quarterback in the NFL, and um, he's pushing forty now. And then two, I just always get nervous around teams that are built on top three, top five defenses. Uh, thinking back to like you know, uh, the 2018 Bears or whatever. And then the next year, they're still excellent, but you don't get the same turnover luck. Um, and defense is just a lot less stable than offense. And meanwhile, a team like Miami, uh, which I think, you know, also went through turmoil, the quarterback position, is now just completely loaded on defense uh, and should have, you know, probably more health uh, on offense, just relative to what happened last year with, you know, Tyreek Hill was dealing with injuries, Theron Armstead, two are obviously... Um, do you think people are sleeping on the Dolphins a little bit in the AFC East, Brad? I do. I think that is my favorite. If you're going to make a bet on the AFC East Division Futures, we bet that a couple of weeks ago. So before Jalen Ramsey, before uh, I think David Long is an underrated signing as an off-ball linebacker too, especially for the price they got him at. Uh, Deshaun Elliott, honestly, a good safety for them as well. I think Vic Fangio is going to do some incredible things with all the talent there. So I still think they're probably the best value if you wanted to bet this division. You are kind of betting on a healthier Tua Tagovailoa. Like you said, Armstead may be missing a little bit less time. I think he's always going to miss a couple games now in his career. But 
I do. I think they are going under the radar a little bit. They could easily win this division. I think my biggest takeaway is like Buffalo shouldn't be around an even money bet. I like Buffalo. I get why they are. I just don't think they're that good in this division to be around, you know, even money. So Buffalo, no, is the play in the AFC East. I like that as just sort of a way to kind of close this because certainly, you know, if Aaron Rodgers goes from 10, 12 to four or five because of a renewed, you know, a, you know, renewed spirit, like, Hey, I'm going to prove of something. Then the jets win maybe going away. Uh, and if the dolphins stay healthy, like that, that's, this could be a two, three team race where Buffalo is a third. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think anyone expects the Patriots to make any, you know, absolute world shocking moves here and, you know, launch themselves into the conversation, but they got the best coach in the division. So, uh, it's, you know, they, this is definitely a, a, a decent opportunity to bet against Buffalo in the AFC broadly because they have not had an especially good offseason, from what I can tell you. Uh, haven't really addressed any of the key issues. And, oh, they lost their defensive coordinator who was pretty, you know, important stalwart piece. And now, you know, McDermott has to basically pick up that role on top of being the head coach. And, you know, that doesn't always go well. So uh, I think, you know, the AFC East is going to be fun to talk about all offseason long. And the AFC, much, much more uh, talent at the quarterback position across the conference than anything you have in the NFC. Uh, and a lot of the key question that I had about the futures market was, will Lamar Jackson go to the NFC? So far, it looks like everybody is content letting him go back to the Ravens for an undermarket deal for one year and play it out. And I have to say it's, it's frustrating to see because I don't really feel like he's getting a fair shake here. Um, but are you getting the sense that Lamar Jackson ultimately goes back to the Ravens and keeps the AFC this extremely quarterback top heavy conference? I do. I think if I had to place a bet right now on what outcome I think is most likely, does he sign an offer sheet somewhere else? And does that, does the Ravens not match it? Does he sign an offer sheet and someone does match it? Or does he just play on a one year franchise tag for 32 and a half million? I would bet on the third option there. I really think that's what we're, we're going towards a Kirk Cousins esque approach here where Lamar is not going to sign a dotted line unless it has, you know, precedent shattering, you know, joining Deshaun Watson, but, you know, a truly different contract than we've seen across the entire NFL. I, I think. I think that is what's going to happen, which I agree. It is frustrating for a lot of reasons. I mean, like you mentioned, too, just the quarterback landscape. I think Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts are the best quarterbacks in the NFC. And if you list the entire NFL, they're around 10th. Like, it's it's crazy right now, the disparity. If, of course, we, we shift Rodgers to the Jets, it, it's crazy. You as kind of a salary cap and sort of contract maven, does Lamar Jackson have any leverage at this point? Is there any way that we get to training camp and it's literally like he's not going to sign that tag because he's willing to literally do the, you know, the Le'Veon Bell type of move here uh, because he is that determined not to play for Baltimore anymore? That is one big piece is that if you are if you don't sign the franchise tag and I imagine he's not going to sign it anytime soon, you can skip offseason activities and not get fined. You avoid what they've made more substantial fines. And so I do think he will exert that leverage. If the report from Chris Mortensen is true at ESPN from last offseason, which I you know I believe it is, he's not really in the business of putting out kind of like shaky info. 
that part of the contract offered from Baltimore was kind of like a lot of money tied to workout bonuses and being there in the offseason and all those things. I think they've had issues in the past of him not being there, you know, from day one and going to every single practice and, and being super, super involved in offseason activities. So, yeah, the leverage would be I'm not going to show up until literally the day before week one. I'll have no reps in practice and camp and all those things, you know, and, and we might, you know, lose a couple games to start the year because I'm not there. I don't think he goes full Le'Veon Bell and doesn't play, but I do think he would exert that leverage of, yeah, well, I'm no chemistry and no rhythm, and basically, you know, pull Shaquille O'Neal, and week one is, is my preseason, so to speak. Yeah, and right now, as you can see on the screen, the Ravens are 15-1 to 1 to win the AFC. If it starts to trend in the direction where Lamar is absolutely coming back uh, and the market doesn't adjust, I would think that 15-1 to 1 on the Ravens would be a decent bet um, just with how close they were last year thinking about how they played against the Bengals without Lamar that defense I think is good enough and then you add Lamar and they've still got some cap space as well uh last thing on the AFC firstly Brad I think you have to give real thought to changing your Twitter handle to at contract maven um as kind of it's <laughs> a keeper uh and then secondly is there another team in the AFC that you think's done an under the radar uh good job this offseason that makes them an interesting bet for the vision or, or even the outright Kind of goes counter to the, the Ravens point there, which I don't disagree with. But I think Cleveland's had maybe my favorite free agency uh, across the NFL. I know we fall in love with the big splash moves. And you can say, all right, the Bears or the Falcons or whoever had the quote-unquote best free agency. But when you're talking about mid-tier moves that address glaring weaknesses, for me, no one has done a better job than Cleveland. With A, with Dalvin Tomlinson, they had the lowest-graded run defense among interior defenders for us last year by a mile. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson it brings a remarkably high floor as a run defender if they shift him back to more of a one-technique, nose-tackle type player. If not, and he still plays more of a three-tech like he was in Minnesota, still a good run defender and brings some pass rush juice. And then Ogbenia Akaronkwo for me, the edge rusher they signed to a three-year deal. From week seven on last year, he was top ten for us in pressure rate and pass rush win rate. Was phenomenal during that stretch. Fits better in a 4-3 defense, I believe. I think Jim Schwartz, the new defensive coordinator, is also an underrated addition. Um, and, and, of course, last but not least, you bring in Juan Thornhill, who I think is a, a good you know, mid-tier safety as well. So the middle of their defense and a second pass rusher opposite Miles Garrett, to me, was what was holding them back from being A, good on defense, and B, just a good team overall. I think they knocked it out of the park in that area. And, and I do think they're an interesting team, you know, you need Watson to start playing like he did, you know, three years ago at this point. But if he does, that roster is pretty loaded. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but I think right now the best futures bet on the board is probably Cleveland at 22 to 1, 25 to 1, that type of range to win the AFC, just because there is a material chance that they're just going to conjure up having a top five quarterback in the NFL. Like Deshaun Watson is young enough where that can't be dismissed. Obviously, he didn't look great uh, at the end of last season, but still, there he's going to be better than that, uh, and he has as much scope as anyone. Uh, Drew, any interest in Browns, 22 to 1? No, you guys can have it all. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, just real quick, Watson doesn't fit with what the Browns have in terms of talent and identity on offense. I don't think they really like him in the locker room, and I don't think that really Stavansky can get the most out of him that you saw when he was kind of carrying a really bad Texans team in a much weaker conference at that time. Uh, so I, I am, I'm, I agree with all Brad's points in this defense. Just, just you know, upgrading the defensive coordinator is going to help, let alone all the talent they added. Um, but the offense still sp spooks me.
Okay. Well, I don't really want to ride with Bob Watson <laughs> and be on that side uh, of the table. I'm sure Brad doesn't want to either, but that's how it's going to be. All right, before we get to the NFC, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Also today, the Detroit Lions are the favorites to win the NFC North, uh, which is an interesting turn of events. Um, certainly not what anyone probably would have expected 12 months ago, but uh, with Minnesota, the pieces that they've lost and just the expected regression where I'm not sure they were even better than the Lions last season, despite the disparity in record. Green Bay obviously losing Rodgers and the Bears coming from the worst record in the league makes the Lions favourites. Do you agree, Brad, that the Lions uh, should be favourites in the NFC North? Absolutely. Probably one of my favourite uh, free agencies in the NFC side of the ball. Address, again, their biggest weakness was their cornerbacks. You get you get Cameron Sutton, who is a good player, inside-outside flexibility. I think the Emmanuel Mosley signing is underrated. Torres ACL last year, but I think was playing his way into a fairly you know, sizable 10, 12, 13 million per year contract as a really good um, you know, outside corner. So, like both of those moves, obviously you get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson recently on the one-year flyer. You know, came up in the NFL with DC Aaron Glenn. Um, you know, in, in New Orleans. So, you know, fix that back end. I think they can do a lot now. Um, still need to fix the interior of the defensive line a little bit. And I think you do need to do something at receiver, either bring back DJ Chark. I think they maybe get in the mix of trading for someone. Or, of course, they have two top 20 picks to address that. So I agree with it. And I think they're, a, you know, sneaky NFC contender as well. Can I? Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you right at the end there. You snuck it in. I was gonna say, can I sell you some Lions NFC? But because like when they finished the season last year, they were power rated the third best team in the NFC. Period. Like anyone who was winning, you know, betting football last year would have told you, yeah, they're probably the third best team and they're out of the playoffs. So you know, tough, tough luck. Uh, I, I currently they're fourth, so that's not crazy. But ten to one seems like a little bit of a favorable bet to bet on them for the NFC because, you know, certainly the two teams at the top, the Niners and the Eagles, Eagles, a decent amount of attrition to the roster in terms of talent with the free, the free agency has kind of picked them apart. Although I think they did as good a job as any team in that situation could to kind of keep the pieces together without really overextending themselves. Uh, and then the Niners are an enormous question mark at the quarterback position, which I don't know exactly how you can be favorites to win your conference. If we don't really know uh, if you're going to have quarterback, back play that's at the NFL level so uh, you know the Lions to me should be flipped with the Cowboys because I like their just their overall depth and their talent more than I like the Cowboys in terms of just the the balance of the roster Uh, and I think they're a lot closer to the Eagles and the Niners in the market currently makes them so Lions 11 10 to 1 range I think is uh, is a fun one to put in your pocket because they have some decent draft capital too by the way they could pick sixth and they could they could find sort of the key piece uh, that really kind of ties the entire defense together and then all of a sudden they're off and running so uh, Lions are for real the other kind of interesting team to talk about in the NFC because they number one were at the top of the draft and had all of this uh, you know opportunity to you know accumulate capital but oh by the way they needed it uh, they had all of this um, you know, room in you know, uh, in terms of um, uh, you know, room against the cap, and oh, by the way, they needed it because they have no talent on that roster. Was the Chicago Bears, uh, and they spent 
interestingly, uh, you know, some people I've heard make very strong cases that, you know, hey, they, they really upgraded across almost their entire, uh, you know, kind of key portions of their, uh, you know, their roster. But, you know, what is what is your general read on the Bears? Do you think that uh, the way that they deployed their capital was correct? Uh, and uh, outside of the move of basically robbing the you know Panthers of their future, have they made any moves that really stood out to you in the free agency period so far? Yeah, it's been an interesting approach. I do think getting DJ Moore in a trade is as good of a move as you could have made this entire offseason for Chicago. I think not only adding a DJ Moore, but I think we lose sometimes. Like Philadelphia bringing in A.J. Brown wasn't just about adding A.J. Brown. It was also about making Devontae Smith a number two receiver. So now, look, I like Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, eh, but like when those guys have a reduced role and are not you know, relied upon to be so productive, it makes them better as well. So that was a slam dunk. I love that, you know, 100%. The free agency moves have been interesting. I like adding a good outside zone guard and Nate Davis to that offense. I know you could argue Tevin Jenkins might be the best offensive lineman they already had, and they play the same position. So kind of, you know, interesting move there. Still don't have a right tackle. On defense, look, I think TJ Edwards was a, was a value signing, a great signing. Edmonds was obviously very expensive. Um, people are questioning why not just sign Roquan Smith. You know, that, that's a whole different conversation. But for me, I don't care if you have Brian Urlacher and, and you know, Mike Singletary back there. This is still probably the worst defensive line in the NFL. So that, to me, is, is interesting. They Of course, they have the draft. They have, I think, four top 65 picks. Like, they can address it. But I found that a little bit strange. I'm all in on the Bears, Brad. Your Bears. I've staked my good name to the more like average to, to mediocre name to the Chicago Bears. Uh, I think that they have, I mean, just in terms of just upside with fields gives you immense upside. I still don't think we've seen, um, you know, the full realization of him as a passer uh, in the league uh, in terms of how accurate he was in college versus what he's shown in the pros. And then the kind of the flip side of the Jets and concerns about them is that, you know, defense is not stable year to year. You can fluke your way into a mid-tier defense with turnover luck. And so I think that the Bears, yes, the defensive line is terrible, but, I mean, now their linebacking core is solid, which is probably the least important part of your football team, arguably, but still it's <laughs> solid. Uh, and the safety play between Jackson and Briscoe, I think, will be strong as well. So corner and defensive line, not as good. Um, but I think that... Uh, you add all that up, and my biggest bet so far has been on Matt Eberflus to win Coach of the Year at 20 to 1. That price is gone now, but there's still, I think, some 15 to 1 out there. And if you just do the math of like their plus 300 range to win their division, so one in four chance approximately, uh, and then if they win their division going from the worst record in football, then Matt Eberflus is much more than a one in four chance to win coach of the year, particularly uh, playing in a big market. So, look, I don't think the Bears will win their division, but I do think they have scope to potentially back into, you know, 10 and 7, which might be enough to win the NFC North if a few things break right. That not, well, it was nine six and one was good enough to win it for uh, uh, for Brian Dable last year. So, uh, big market. Chicago's obviously a big market. And oh, by the way, Everflus. He made some very interesting moves as a coach last year that kind of gave you some sign that like there was something, uh, you know, some some things were clicking despite all of the losing, which actually, you know, of course, helped the franchise. Jay, if you plant your flag in the Bears, what do you want to see them do with their number nine pick in the draft? Would you rather they go D line or do you want them to get protection for field so that you can see what he looks like throwing the ball down the field? 
Well, I mean, looking at the PFF grades now of their offensive line, we've got four out of the five guys are above average. Um, and in Jenkins, we've got one elite lineman, I think. So I think the offensive line is probably, I mean, it's going to be much better than it was last year, um, particularly with, you know, adding Nate Davis. I think that's a big deal. Yeah, they need a pass rusher. Um, if they don't get a pass rusher, then I think they're in a bit of trouble. But uh, that's where I'd like to see them go is uh, to upgrade the pass rush um, with that ninth pick. For some reason, Brad, producer Adam Wise has snuck in a question about the Atlanta Falcons uh, into the <laughs> NFC section. So let's talk about them. Uh, what are your impressions of how the Falcons have built their roster this offseason? I think they've also done a, a good job. I think they've kind of, to an extreme, uh, look, the defensive coordinator is is former Saints defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen. So you sign David Onyemata, you bring in Caden Ellis, who uh, played 600 snaps last year. Before that, had played about a 200 total, and you give him the, one of the biggest contracts for a linebacker in the entire office. I think he's a very good player. He's kind of one of those Sam-type backers that can rush the passer. Did a very good job of that last year, but, like, to a degree, it's also you're just paying a bunch of guys you're comfortable with, and, and I wonder how that goes. Um, but I like bringing back Lorenzo Carter. I like the splash with Jesse Bates in the back end. Um, you know, I, I think they, again, they fix the defense. If the offense can get better, can get healthier, um, you know, keeping both guys and Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry, uh, I, I think is a good move. So, you know, another team in that, in that awful NFC South, they're a potentially interesting bet if you believe in Desmond Ritter, if you think they're a dark horse to trade up and get a quarterback at three maybe, or even just sit there and get one at eight. Um, you know, I, people are falling in love with the Panthers for some reason. I, I still think their roster is just awful um, in, in a lot of play, and, and, you know, have the worst, for me, the worst weaponry in the entire NFL, arguably. Uh, so they're interesting. I think it's probably the Saints division to lose, but I think Atlanta did pretty well. I, the thing that is interesting to me about their kind of their decision-making, right? Because they could have been the team that stole Lamar Jackson. They had the room. If they didn't feel like they had anything in Ritter, they could have been like, well, we're going to go this way. And, you know, we're just going to get the best quarterback and we'll win some division titles. Maybe we'll win a conference. We'll see. Uh, instead, it looks like they are trying to emulate and replicate what the Eagles did, which is just like, let's just put our chips on the table and see if we have anything with Desmond Ritter, who we got at sort of a later round value. And so they may, they must see something in house with what they've gotten out of Ritter so far that uh, they believe that with a full year of him starting, uh, you know, they can do, do better. Uh, and obviously, as you mentioned, the NFC South is so, so weak that uh, it wouldn't be shocking if ultimately they won uh, with this roster. Um, you mentioned the Panthers having some holes, and I think we all kind of, I, you know, everyone in the universe I, recognizes that quarterback is the biggest of those. Um, do you have a read on how the number one pick overall breaks? Uh, there's obviously lots of mocks out there that have Stroud, equal number that have Young, and I think, uh, you know, there's definitely some case to be made that Stroud fits better with Mike, with uh, with Frank Reich, and there's some case that maybe the Panthers are floating Young because they want to try to recoup some of their losses by swapping with Houston because they know Houston, or they assume Houston likes Young. Um, am I anywhere on the right track here with kind of reading the tea leaves, or do you have a, a different point of view on uh, how the number one pick breaks? No, I think you nailed it. I think it is genuine when they're trying to look. I think it is just one team they're talking to, and it's Houston trying to convince them to come up to number one. I don't think they're going to go any further than that, but I think they would take either Stroud or Young. I think they like both of those guys a ton, and they both, you know, did well in Indy. I'm on the, on the whiteboard and in interviews, and also, of course, you know, everyone kind of raved about Stroud's accuracy and his throwing session, which, you know, kind of funny, but still, it, it was very good, and those things do matter. So, I do think it's genuine that they would go back down to two if they can convince Houston, you know, you're not going to get Bryce Young unless you come up with us. 
But end of the day, if I had to bet it, I still would lean towards C.J. Stroud as being that pick. Um, but I guess I'm saying I would. that's my bet right now. There's probably value, though, on betting Bryce Young. I think it's around plus 250. Um, it's worth a flyer. I have a ticket right now for C.J. Stroud plus 330, and then I bet Bryce Young plus 300 immediately after the trade when the market's flipped because I think it could be either guy. I think Bryce Young is going one, uh, and I don't really understand this price based off of uh, what I've heard. So I would be betting Bryce Young at, uh, at plus 225. Uh, Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell people uh, what you're working on at the moment? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, as always, uh, on PFF.com. I know free agency is kind of winding down, but we still have our top 100 remaining free agents. We've graded every single move, every team grade, all that stuff. Uh, so come check that out. And, of course, it's, uh, it's about to be draft season. Yep, absolutely. And good luck to the Chicago Bulls uh, playing much better <laughs> you. Uh, hopefully uh, they can make the playoffs. All right, thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again. Go for the United States. Unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. <laughs> Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial Initial wager. Points bet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the Points Bet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1 800 Gambler for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1 800 522 4700. In Iowa, call 1 800 Bets Off. In Indiana, 
Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. Baseball season, Drew, is around the corner. New season, new rules, new stars. So you can pair all of that with the Roto World Baseball Draft Guide. Get all the player profiles, rankings, and projections. You need to hit your draft out of the park. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide and use code PENNA25 to save 25% at checkout. NBA tonight, Drew. Firstly, pretty eventful day in uh, the NBA yesterday. There's a few yeah. things kind of happening. Um, yeah waited about this but i would be uh very vigilant on the james harden foot injury which we we're talking about before we got on here um harden's missed two games in the past two weeks with a left foot injury he strained his right foot and missed a month because of that um earlier but he's got this left foot thing now and uh he aggravated it last night and it was basically limping the rest of the game it was two or 14 from the floor they ran the entire late-game offense through Maxi and Embiid. Harden couldn't do anything. Harden's out for a while. That changes the East, changes the division odds. Do not bet on the Sixers Atlantic division right now until you have clarity on that. Uh, and it changes the MVP race uh, as well. So, I mean, yeah, what do you what do you make of Philly at the moment? Well, obviously, uh, the MVP race is the one you can capitalize on, I think, the most aggressively. Yes. Um, Philly had a very, very tough test ahead of them in the blind with a healthy Harden, and now they have potentially that same test without him. Uh, and while surely the lion's share of the offense now goes to Embiid and he could put up numbers that are going to make your head spin <laughs> over the next couple of weeks, but it could be in a losing effort like last night. Last night was one of their easiest games remaining on their schedule, Jay. It was the and easiest. They lost. It was the easiest, <laughs> and they lost. Um this team is going to have a very, very tough rest of March and April. Uh, and at that point, uh, if, they f- if they slide out of the three seed into the four seed, Embiid getting the MVP is going to be extremely, extremely tough. I know that he's like, it's a vibes kind of deal right now where people just feel like he's been due for it for three years and he's finally going to get it, going to get it. But, um, you know... Giannis is coming, uh, and if he's got the clear one seat in the Eastern Conference and he beats Embiid head-to-head like we talked about on April 2nd, then um, I think that flips it. Yeah. I think yesterday I said I made fares like Embiid plus 125, Giannis plus 150, and Jokic plus 550. Last night was, I think, really significant. And the thing to remember is that with these injuries, like the news breaks the next day a lot of the time. Like Harden... When Harden did his foot and was out for a month, he finished that game. Yeah. Uh, and also, you think about like the same team in the playoffs last year, Joel Embiid gets hit in the face by, I think, Pascal Siakam in game mm-hmm. six against Toronto, just yep. kind of closes the game and is fine, but says late, like in, on, on radio after the game, he's like, I think I broke my face. But no one just picks up on it and just kind of goes completely under the radar. Whereas, like, you look at, like, Sixers Twitter is freaking out, but I don't think that's had, like, national seep through in a way that changes the odds. Like, Harden, Harden might be fine. He might play next game. He also might be out for three weeks. Um, so 
that the fact that there is that material chance that he's out, um, that needs to shift the odds and, and nowhere in the market has moved a cent. Uh, and that's just wrong because you have to bake in. One, they lost the game and the winning yeah. streak's over, so that's material. And then yeah. two, if Arden's done, then that's that's a real problem. So uh, that is definitely something to monitor and I think to take advantage of by betting Giannis now. He, he's the one. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. even... Even if Arn's out, I wouldn't be that interested in Jokic at plus 300. I think that Giannis um, is the play. All right, so card for tonight. First one that leapt out to me is uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm -hmm. Plus six and a half against the Clippers, uh, which I don't really understand. And also, uh, I don't think Paolo Banquero is home for Rookie of the Year anymore. Whoa. Uh, Uh Stuff stuff that has come out lately about Jalen Williams. Um, There we're talking. There you go, Devin, jumping in. Why are we talking NFL when there's still Jalen Williams' 25 to 1 prices listed? There was a podcast yesterday that Zach Lowe released with Chris Herring, which had some ripple effects across a couple of markets. One, Lowe and Herring both said that uh, Emmanuel Quickly is the favorite to win six man of the year, which is pretty material um, given that they are pretty big voices in the space. Mm-hmm. But still Quickly plus 200 around, which I think is just completely wrong. And then two, Zach Lowe said that uh, Paolo Banquero better finish strong if he wants to win rookie of the year and Jalen Williams who JJ Reddick also did a podcast about um, Jalen Williams and his surge into rookie of the year I still think Paolo is going to win and probably win comfortably but I thought Paolo was off the board two weeks ago now I think it's he's like minus 1500 minus 2000 that type of range but Jalen Williams is the entirety of the other side of that and so I think he's around 20 to 1 fair. And if you can get better than that, I think that's a bet. Do you think it's done? Uh, man, I do. I agree that the Jalen Williams is the clear number two rookie by my numbers, but the margin is still pretty meaningful in terms of some of the advanced stats. Uh, and I also think it's a little bit of like a, it's a contrarian pick to go to say Williams ought to be the guy, you know, the best rookie. Um, balance of work, Ben Carroll, clearly better, I think, over the, you know, the, the you know, the entirety of the regular season. Um, and this is, of course, uh, uh, you know, somewhat conditional on Oklahoma City not getting a six seed, right? Like, if Oklahoma City actually does pull off the impossible and gets into the playoffs picture in the Western Conference without uh, a playing game, now, all bets are off on a lot of awards, right? People are just going to be falling all over themselves. Can you freaking believe Oklahoma City did this? Uh, and, you know, Dagano's live for coach, getting some coach votes. Uh, Shea is back into the most improved race. And, of course, Jalen Williams is going to get some consideration for rookie. But um, I don't think enough people have seen him play enough games to really flip him over Paolo. And Paolo has done some pretty incredible stuff this season. So I think he warrants the award. But, um yeah, it's uh, it's worth taking a flyer on. I think with Jalen Williams, the thing is, is that like Paolo's efficiency now is just completely tanked. Like he's shooting forty-two percent from the floor, twenty-eight percent from three, below average from the line, really high turnovers. His like EPM is now completely tanked. Where Jalen Williams beats him in that, beats him in Raptor, um, beats him out of the park for efficiency. The argument would be that Jalen Williams doesn't have nearly the load that Paolo has, and I think that's what will ultimately tip it to Paolo. In addition to scoring twenty a game, while Jalen Williams is at like thirteen and a half or whatever, but on his current trajectory, Jalen Williams is going to end up around fourteen and a half points per game. 
Paolo might slide into the 19s. The Magic are not going to be in the play-in. So if OKC get the sixth seed, yeah. Jalen Williams is much more efficient and finishes on a tear, which he's on at the moment. And Jalen Williams is going to get at least two games that Shea sits on back-to-backs. And when Shea sits, Jalen Williams just goes off. It becomes his team. So... I don't know. Uh, I think it's worth a fly. I wouldn't be super excited at 20 to 1, but if you can get above that, I mean, there was some 50 to 1 available yesterday, which I think is uh, I think is a decent bet. But um, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but worth a flyer. Uh, best bet for you tonight, Drew? I'm with you on Oklahoma City. Okay. I think uh, market is against us, by the way. It's out, yeah. it's out to seven now. Uh, so some players uh, not uh, with us. Uh, but plus seven, I think, is a play on OKC. And a lot of it just comes down to um, this team is they're better than the market. Thanks by about two points right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Clippers are a wild card. You don't know what kind of effort you're going to get out of these guys. So I uh, could entirely see OKC getting a win here. Yep. Thunder up. I like it. Thunder uh, to make the play in. Uh, I think it's still also a good bet. I don't know why they have the Thunder have longer odds than the Jazz make the play in. Uh, which I don't agree with at all. Uh, I think they will be in. All right. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe us. Thanks again to Brad Spielberg for joining. I'm Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you tomorrow.